0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Ithacan's podcast, How I See Sports. I'm Samantha Cavalli, the assistant sports editor of the Ithacan.
1: And I'm Nick Friend. Today from ICTV's Hold That Thought in the Gridiron Report, Ithacan sports writer Cal Domowski is here to join in our discussion of the NFL, NBA, MLB, and the NCAA basketball scandal.
0: Also on the show, Ithaca College senior Lorenzo Ramos of the men's tennis team is here to talk about goals for himself and for the team for the remainder of their season. So what are the uh, team goals and personal goals uh, for the men's tennis team, and also you're the only senior on the team, so how do the remaining, remaining players on the team look up to you as a leader?
2: We have, uh, we have a pretty short fall season, um, we're gone for all of September basically, um, we're wrapping up our fall season this coming weekend, uh, only three of us are actually going, myself, uh, sophomore Liam Spiegel, and uh, sophomore Minos Stavrakis uh, at the ITA. Um, After that, I would say looking forward, um, we've got a lot of work to do regarding just, I mean, obviously we lost a lot of seniors last year. So that kind of set us back a little bit um, lineup wise, but uh, not saying that that's going to hurt us for Liberty League play. I think that will be all right. We just got to work hard and kind of figure out where we want to end up during come uh, playoff season. So.
0: Um, so, so far, you have been undefeated in singles play, and you've gone one for two in doubles play. So, how do you view your performance so far?
2: Um, so far, I'm playing well. I mean, no complaints. Um, you know, I'm healthy, which is also very important. I mean, we've recently had a lot of injuries. That's also been a huge setback for us. But, um, you know, I'm playing well, so hopefully I can carry that into this weekend.
1: So, as you know, tennis isn't the most popular sport. A lot of kids will try out for basketball, soccer football pretty much anything instead uh so what got you first interested in the sport of tennis
2: so um i've been playing since i was a little kid so it kind of kind of grew on me i mean i, I dabbled in other sports I and mean, i played you know other sports in high school but this one kind of stuck with me just i don't know physically wise it was easiest for me to excel in. so um yeah
1: And as Sam mentioned, you play both singles and doubles, and there's obviously a lot of differences between those games for people who don't know tennis. And other than the, you know, playing with another person, the communication stuff. What's the biggest difference between singles and
2: doubles? Um, As you said, communication. I mean, when you're out there in singles, you're kind of relying on yourself. Um, You have like your coach that comes to you uh, if they choose, obviously, like when you change overs. But other than that, I mean, you got a lot. There's a lot of pressure that you kind of put on yourself especially when it comes down to it, when you're when you split sets and might match up be on the line and you kind of got to pull some strings together doubles you know it's all about communication you know if you make a bad shot you got to make sure your partner picks you up vice versa so it's all about just being you know good to your partner and having that respect and just communicating so
1: now, I'm nowhere near good enough to play tennis for a co- college, but I do play some, and I get into okay. a debate with a lot of people who play tennis about how much of a mental game tennis really is. In your opinion, how much of it is mental compared to the physical aspect?
2: Um, yeah, a lot of people would say, you know, like obviously tennis players would say, you know, um, mental game is probably the most important part. Um, and that's just simply because you could be up winning And then find yourself losing the next set and be like what happened and you kind of have to figure out in your head okay what am i going to do beat this kid what am i doing wrong what am i going to change you know there's a lot of things that you have to think about and translate that into your actual game so realistically it starts and if you if like you know to be as good as you want to be it starts up here in the head so
1: so, we're now going to make the transition to national sports. And the major news came down a couple days ago that the FBI concluded a three year probe that revealed tens of thousands of dollars had been given to NBA players and hopefuls to influence what college team they would choose, what shoe brand they would sign with, and what agent would represent them. Out of the 10 charged for, are or were assistant coaches at Arizona, Auburn, Oklahoma State, and USC, according to ESPN, Louisville is also involved. The probe also concluded that an unnamed Kentucky team gave $100,000 to a player, that money coming from Adidas. This was just one of many examples of high school recruits receiving tens of thousands of dollars to play at chosen colleges, including one player that received $150,000. The response, well, that varies. Auburn suspended the coach involved here without pay. The Oklahoma State assistant suspended with pay. Arizona suspended their assistant coach involved immediately and relieved him from all duties. USC placed their coach on administrative leave and hired a former FBI director to complete internal investigation. And Louisville denied involvement, saying, quote, We have no idea about any of this stuff until today when their head coach, Rick Patino, and their athletic director were both played on administrative leave. So I hope that didn't give anybody at home a popsicle headache. I need an oxygen tank, so I'm going to pass it over to you, Cal. What was your reaction to this?
3: Uh, well, I, um, first off, Rick Pitino is, you know, constantly involved in some type of controversy. I mean, a couple years ago with the whole sex scandal thing, yeah. um, I'm I'm not surprised. Uh, I think there's a dark underbelly of college basketball, and I think this investigation definitely revealed it. Um, to anybody who knows college basketball, anybody who watched, uh, watches ESPN, knows Dick Vitale, just to see his emotion um when talking about this on air today was just astonishing and you knew this goes deeper than just what a lot of people expected especially Dick Vitale but i think to go back to uh, what i th- what i think about it is just this is just the way sports are nowadays um money money drives everything and i think college athletics has definitely not been um immune to that uh they are by far the most vulnerable uh in all in all of sports to it um i mean if you were able to pay an athlete a hundred thousand dollars to provide him with some type of service that gets his family by or gets himself by or just puts you above another school why not go for it and a lot of these schools took advantage of that i mean it's interesting because
1: we've this is now our third episode we've recorded three week, three straight weeks in a row and every single week we've had a cheating scandal and i'm going to sound like a broken record but everybody cheats some people get caught with deflated footballs in the bathroom. Like that's just that's the reality of sports and I'm not surprised I think anybody who follows sports college sports isn't surprised. Yeah. And what I think about first and foremost is the NCAA when it comes to paying these student athletes. It's been a conversation for how long now? Years and years. And they will come up to you with a whole r- list of reasons as to why college athletes should not be paid. Absolutely. When they absolutely knew that, that, that this was going on. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no way they couldn't have known this was going on. And the NCAA continues to take advantage of it to players. And this was one case where, I mean, from the student's perspective, the student athlete, quote unquote, why wouldn't you take this? I mean, I, they, yeah. fi- the NCAA takes advantage of you. Every single day, and finally, you had an opportunity to take advantage of them back.
3: Absolutely, Nick, I agree with you. I mean, if the NCAA is not going to, you know, pay you for the services that you get, services that you provide, excuse me, and the money that you bring in, the revenue, and just the fans and the entertainment, the jersey sales, and all that. I mean, these are college students. At the end of the day, like these are kids that I hate to I hate to say, it, but are really thinking about themselves first. Like this is this is the point in life where you're trying to decide. Okay, I need to start making these des- decisions for myself. So. I'm gonna put myself in the adult shoes and guess what? This is what I'm gonna take. If my boss, quote unquote, won't pay me, I'm gonna find another way to make money. And if this is the best way to make money, most the you know, I'm gonna make the most money out of this, why not go for it?
2: I have to say, I mean, losing I mean for Louisville losing that's a huge loss. I mean the guy's just all right, he's a legend. I mean, he's but I think there's a fine line that he crossed and um I would definitely say that this goes back to play <clears throat> NCAA um they view all of student-athletes from Division One all the way down to Division III, to NAIA, NAIA, I don't know what else there is, but um, they, yeah, they say that they promote their student-athletes as amateurs. And amateurs are defined as athletes who don't really... They perform to the best ability without any compensation type of thing. And when you're completely violating your own code of conduct, going out of the way to give... Potential students, thousands, hundreds, of thousands of dollars. That's just you can't. You can't be doing that. That's just ethically not right, and you're putting not only yourself and every other college and institution, but you're also putting like that. Per, like like you said, like the families of other people that um that are, the kids are being recruited. You know that that that's it. They're done.
0: Even in college sports, sports is a business. It is a absolute business. No matter NCAA. If you're a professional athlete, sports is a business and it sucks that athletes that are at the high school level are getting paid this humongous amount of money to go to a school that, you know, that will get them to where they want to be. Now we're going to steer away from college athletics and we're going to head over to the NFL. As of right now with the NFC, you have, you know, the Rams are 3-0, and um, Giants are 0-3, that's a whole different thing, but um, Cowboys and... Every, basically everybody, everybody in the NFC right now. So um Lorenzo I'll ask you this first, who should be the favorite in the NFC right now?
2: I mean, I I'm just a born and raised Giants fan. I'm from New York, so it's, you know, it's it's tough for me to accept the fact that, you know, you go on 3 and you know, you had a couple of games that you let slip away. Um, you know, the Eagles game this past weekend. Uh just, I can't even talk about it unbelievable. Jake Elliott, man. What a guy. (laughs) Yeah, really. I I, I mean, I mean, obviously it's only week three, so there's time, but like three games is a big deal. Like that's, you know, that's, that's a big deal. Um, cause I'm, I'm positive they're not going to win the next 13 games or 12 games considering the bye week. But, um, you know, I mean, I think they got a lot of work to do, uh, if they want to crawl the way back into the top spot in the NFC. Um, you know, they got to get Odell healthy again. That's that's the huge part of the thing. I mean,
3: I think it's a team that you didn't mention, Sam. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I mean, those guys mm-hmm. constantly get it done. We, I think the best performance so far of the year was their week one win over Seattle. They shut them down. Seattle has a new offensive line, and yeah, I understand that. But the Packers' defense just looked different. And yeah, they have they've had some hiccups so far this year. Um, the Bengals taking the Bengals to overtime and yeah, then trying to good, yeah. trying to scrape that out. That's that's a little concerning. But again, Aaron Rodgers, relax. He's got this under control. 40 touchdowns last year, seven interceptions. The guy the guy knows he's the best thrower of the football of all time. Uh, he's just what what he does to that. You take him off the Packers. Packers go in 16. Packers go in 16. They've got nobody. So just to be clear, you're saying they should be the favorite? Yeah, they should be the favorite. Who would you take Nick? Who would you take over the Packers? Well, you just made my point. You just made
1: my point for me. If you take Aaron Rodgers off that team, they're dreadful. They're one of the worst teams in the league literally. He but they've a- got Aaron Rodgers
3: and okay. he's not going anywhere cuz he, he wa- loves Green Bay. He's been there his entire life. Mike McCarthy loves him. He Aaron Rodgers is the reason Mike McCarthy has a job. I agree. Lo- yeah.
1: He has a wide receiver as a running back. That's a problem. The Falcons beat them. Ty be Montgomery's the
3: playing awesome. He that, I think that's one of the greatest things about the Packers is that they've got that wide receiver in the back as they're back, both, who can run, you, who can also go out to the flat, catch passes, can line up in the slot, can go down the field. Uh, that's you're, awesome. You're def- that is utilizing your player to the maximum advantage. That gives them a huge advantage over whoever they're playing. Your definition of awesome is pretty low because he has 124 yards through three weeks. Like that, he's They're been- not really using him as a traditional running back, Nick. Come on, they're utilizing him in different, different, aspects, okay, well, different it, aspects of the game. If <laughs> we can
1: get off Ty Montgomery for a that's second, it's, it's the Falcons. And by the way, the Packers aren't the second team; it's Dallas. We, that's a whole different conversation. The Falcons. Like there Ezekiel was,
3: Elliott with the eight yards off nine rushes. I wouldn't say that's really well. Good. What about this week? But
1: I would like to talk about the Falcons for a second because I think they deserve credit. There was going to be the Super Bowl hangover. I thought it was going to happen. It hasn't happened.
3: They're three weeks. Well, in. their Super Bowl hangover was in the second half of the Super Bowl, but continued. Dude. Right, Contin-
1: right. <laughs> but usually, we see this carry over into the next season with teams yeah. that lose in the Super Bowl period. Never mind losing that fashion. Yeah, it's not that. They're just winning. It's how they're winning. This week against the Detroit Lions, Matt Ryan threw three interceptions, and they still somehow won. That's a New England Patriots type win where they played terrible, and at the end of the day you look up at the scoreboard and you say, how did they just win that? That's what the Falcons are doing. Their defense is the future of defenses in the NFL.
3: Fast, young,
1: athletic, versatile.
3: I do agree with that. I do agree with that. I think the Falcons are a team to be reckoned with. Um, but, again, I'm not completely sold on Matt Ryan. I think last year— How much more do you need to see? D- I need to see. I need to see a lot more from Matt Ryan. Uh, last season was an outlier season for him. Uh, you look at the eight seasons, seven seasons or so, whatever it was before then, just average. He's average quarterback. He's not winning the division. Like I mean, you've got you had Drew Brees running that show up until, and the Buccaneers were a dumpster fire for the longest time, and they lucked out with James you know hey yeah they yeah. lucked out with Jameis Winston, and yeah. look what Jameis Winston is doing right now. Like he's playing great. yeah, he's playing great. Lorenzo's taking the words right out of my mouth because we both know that that the Falcons are in such a competitive division that when they have to go on those road games and they have to win, it's just going to be tough for them. And I think Green Bay's got a lot, a lot easier of a task. I think the Bears are in rebuilding mode. I think the Lions are always vulnerable to those slumps. I mean, we saw that those, the Lions win, what, nine games in a row or eight out of nine last season, and then they just couldn't do anything at one point. They just, the offense fell apart. And yes, the Vikings are always that interesting team because they start out hot and then they fall apart or vice versa, but the Vikings with Sam Bradford as your quarterback, Case Keenum as your quarterback, you don't even have Teddy Bridgewater. And you're using, you know, a rookie running back and Dalvin Cook, who, by the way, is having a great season, but is a rookie, who will most likely fall into a slump at some point in the season. I know I just see the Packers taking more advantage of their division, and I think once they, if they catch fire, they can be dangerous. I mean, you look back 2010 when they won the Super Bowl, they were on the verge of missing the playoffs and then i think they rattled off what is it seven or eight straight wins and they defeated the pittsburgh steelers who at the time were it was like the second coming of the steel curtain almost
0: we're going to stick with the nfc we're going to go into the nfc east and we're going to talk a little bit about the giants so the giants are 0 and three on the season they are the just keep what...
2: piling it on no. yeah <laughs> we
0: are the giants are the worst team right now in new york Jets are one and two at least. That's
2: uh, I, I don't even see how that's
3: possible. <laughs> I, I, uh, Jets won a game. That's I so great. know. Like, so I
0: really... basic and Giants with Odell not being as healthy as he should be. So do do you think the Giants can make a comeback? Can they come back and possibly make the playoffs and go on a you know a, a big run and possibly not go zero 16 We'll start with Cal. We'll yeah, know. yeah. I mean,
3: you got thirteen games left. I mean, anything's possible. Uh, I do think the Giants need to address a lot of concerns. I think it's very. um I think it's helpful and, um, you know, pleasing to see Odell this past weekend, you know, looking a little bit more like himself when he have two touchdown receptions. Yeah. Uh, one of them was, you know, fantastic. He bobbled it and then was able to pin it right before he went down. Yeah. So, I mean, he's – Odell's going to do Odell. He's going to do whatever he needs to do. I think Eli Manning and that offensive line, is that's the biggest issue. Eli Manning isn't – I mean, can you spell elite without Eli? I think you're going to have to eventually. <laughs> you're going to have to find a different way to spell it. Um Eric Flowers just didn't cut it for me. I think that Monday night game against the uh, Lions, um, just he was so vulnerable the entire game. Uh, I don't think they have a. I think what is it? Paul Perkins is the running back. I think. I mean, he's he's a solid option. Um, I definitely don't think you can rely on him. So, and Brandon Marshall just doesn't look like the Brandon Marshall that we've seen. And obviously, that wasn't we, he wasn't expected to be the go-to guy. But you expect at least something of Brandon Marshall, and we just didn't see that. Um, so I think it's going to be a long road for the Giants. I definitely think they can bounce back. Whether or not they make the playoffs is totally up to them, and they are playing in a tough conference. The Cowboys, Nick, and Lorenzo, and I, and you, Sam, just talked about it. Like they're a sleeper team. The Eagles, Carson Wentz, Lorenzo, and I are sold that he's going to be he's going to be big time. And then look what the Redskins did to the Raiders this past weekend. I mean, they dismantled them at home. Uh, I mean, well, you know, yeah, and at Landover, but um. Oh, man, It's it's a tough division. So we'll have to see how the Giants do, but they'll they'll win eight games.
0: I mean, it also doesn't help too with the Giants having Ben McAdoo is actually acting as the offensive coordinator. Like the offensive coordinator is not doing his job. Like he's just sitting on the sidelines. Like then what's the point of him being there? If Ben McAdoo's going to call all the shots. Honestly, I think he's in the hot seat. I think he's Gonna get let go very very soon, if not at the end of the season. Think you think the GM is gonna get is in the hot seat as well. I think the GM. I mean,
3: oh, Eli's in the hot seat as well. I mean, they're all they're all in the hot they're seat all
0: right getting there. They're coming to that point, and um, I don't. I I'm not saying I don't have hope in the Giants, but I think they need to they need to turn around really quick. Otherwise, it's not gonna end well for them, and it's not gonna end well for their fans. So, Lorenzo, being a Giants fan, how do you feel about? Of this. I'm
1: sorry if we made you too
0: depressed. By
2: yeah, no, I mean <laughs> I, 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 I mean I agree with most of the points. Um, I would definitely say that there are going to be some players going to have to step up, like the veterans. Like I mean, Sterling Shepherd had a great game this past weekend. Well, I mean, like you said, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Odell? I mean, he could, I mean, th- every game he's going to be shut down. He's always he's always going to be like double man coverage. He's you know, he's always going to be locked down every game. Um, he's a weapon. So I think that's where McAdoo has to look to other receivers. Like you said, Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard, just other options that are available. And, you know, I have to say, I mean, like, from from the performance that I saw this past weekend, I mean, Sterling Shepard, he can play. I mean, it's been shown over time. So um, obviously I don't really know what direction they're going to go. I don't know how they're going to do. But um, as of right now, I have hope. Then again, it's coming from a Giants fan, so <laughs> I, I don't know how much that hope will last, but we'll see.
1: We're going to move on to the NBA. The season's fast approaching. It'll be on us before we know it. And we're Dwayne right, Wade so bought out of his contract with the Chicago Bulls. He now just signed a one-year deal, $2.3 million with the Cavs. We're going to start with you, Lorenzo. Is it a one-year deal? Yeah, one-year one deal, $2.3 So we're going to start with you. How does the Dwayne Wade signing with the Cavs impact the Eastern Conference?
2: I think replacing Kyrie with anybody, I don't really think there's ever going to be an equivalent because um, Kyrie is just—he's just an unbelievable All Star. He's great. Um, I mean, obviously Dwayne Wade, another All Star, good player, um, older, you know. Um, <clears throat> but again, I mean, guy can play. He's a playmaker, um, both on both sides of the ball, offensive defense. Um, the East for basketball. I mean, it's always been the Cavs dominating. There hasn't really been much competition, so I think uh, in regards to like them matching up with teams in the West, like I mean, you got uh, the Rockets now. They've got Chris Paul. They've got James Harden. I mean, obviously, of Golden State. Um, you know, that's I mean, and again, Celtics with Kyrie Irving now. Um, so it's it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be tough to see how they're gonna do. I mean, I definitely think that the Cavs are. Always going to be a team to force be reckoned with, um, especially when you got LeBron. So
3: yeah, I think it's definitely interesting uh, how you look at it. Um, the one year two point three million dollar deal is a steal if you are talking about Dwayne Wade. Um, he, the guy's a natural born winner. Uh, he brought Marquette to a Final Four, won a championship in Miami with Shaq, and then you know LeBron James helped him win two more. Didn't really do much in Chicago, but he was only there for a year. It Was kind of that nostalgic, like coming home, type of deal. Um, I think Dwayne Wade brings an brings an interesting aspect to, uh, to the Cavs. Um, they're projecting him as a starter, which I kind of find is a a little bit weird. Uh, he's what, almost 36 years old. Those knees aren't in the greatest shape. Um, definitely with Lorenzo, he's no Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is one of a kind, probably arguably top, top three point guard in the league might be the best in some cases, if you want to argue that. Um, I think more of it was the fact that he just wants to be back with LeBron. I think it's that Banana Boat Brothers type thing. Um, that, oh, yeah, LeBron, like LeBron and Wade, Wade and LeBron, that whole type of deal. Um, so whether Wade actually contributes the way uh, you know the Cavs are expecting him to uh, is totally up to LeBron, honestly. LeBron's going to run the show. I think the Cavs are obviously still the favorite um, just because we don't know what Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward can bring to the Celtics quite yet. We haven't seen them gel. We haven't seen them mesh. Um, The Cavs are the Cavs. LeBron James has been to seven consecutive NBA Finals. I mean, we know what he brings to the table. We know that he's not going to let them not get to the NBA Finals. So if Boston is going to dethrone them, it's going to take some tremendous effort and probably a lot of luck, honestly. You're going to have to get LeBron James at a low point. You're going to have to get him where his superstars are hurt. Um, I think a big thing to take into consideration is that Isaiah Thomas doesn't come back till January. So you're going to have Derrick Rose, who is a former MVP, but is also formerly the guy who, you know, skipped a game for the Knicks, didn't tell anybody. So there's there's a lot of issues with um, with the Cavs roster, age, background, injuries, and all that. Um, but I think once at the end of the day, you have LeBron James, you have Kevin Love, uh, and you have Tristan Thomas. Tristan Thompson, excuse me, and I think Jay Crowder is one of the unsung heroes, or will be, uh, for the Cavs. So uh, I'm still going to look at the Cavs right now as the favorites in the East.
1: I mean, getting back to the original question, what does this do for the picture of the East? Little to nothing. Yeah. I mean, people are still lamenting about what Dwayne Wade used to be five, seven years ago at the Miami. He's not that. He's the 35 year old Dwayne Wade who should be a really good sixth man. Absolutely. He should not start. He's not a starter at this point in his career. No, is outside Smith in there. Yeah, I mean his outside shooting is dreadful. His defense is one of the worst in the league at his position. Like he's just not a starter. What the Cavs season relies on at this point is Isaiah Thomas's hip. And if you're a Cavs fan, that should be super scary because you now have a 5 foot 9 point guard who has a hip injury. That's as tall as me with a hip injury. That's an issue if your championship hopes rely on that guy. And now defensively, you have Dwayne Wade Against the Warriors, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are gonna be able to go right around him, and they're also gonna certainly be able to step right over Isaiah Thomas's five foot nine. So you said the Cavs are still obviously the favorite. I don't, I don't know. I'm at that point, and trust me, I am one of the biggest LeBron James fans you can get out there. But, and I have a ton of faith, in it, faith in him still. But I seriously question if the Celtics, if they can get it together and have that chemistry, can possibly legitimately make a run for the Eastern Conference title this year.
3: I think the Celtics are obviously, I mean, if you're going to pick any team in the East to challenge them, it's the Boston right. Celtics. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, LeBron James could walk into this room right now and say, Nick, Sam, Lorenzo, Cal, you guys want to go to the NBA Finals? Sure. We all say sure. We hop on his back, and he takes us to June. Like, that's just that's just how it is. The guy is an animal. He's on another level. His He, he rests himself well. He positions himself. He's in great shape. Um, he's got no outside drama that we're constantly talking about. He's just gung-ho about let's get to the finals and then let's compete. Obviously, he's going to run up against some tough competition no matter who comes out of the West. The West is the best conference in basketball. The East is awful. The East is awful. And there's a reason LeBron doesn't go West, but we'll talk about that for another time. Um, but, I mean, Le- LeBron just – we know what he brings to the table, and he's going to bring it again. I do think the five foot nine Isaiah Thomas <laughs> – is a liability on defense, and that hip is really, really scary. Um, do I think they'll pick it up? Yeah, they're going to pick it up. They're going to lose some games that we definitely don't think they should lose. Um, and I think when January comes, that's going to be the decision. That's going to be you know the make or break for them. How does Isaiah Thomas fit into the chemistry at that point in the season? And you know, can he get it done? He's a shoot first. He's a shoot first point guard. What he was f- top five in the league in scoring last year. You're not going to get that with LeBron James. I'm sorry, Isaiah Thomas. If you're listening to the Ithacan podcast, you're not getting that. Um, so that's that would be that would be my takeaway from it. Well, when you brought up chemistry,
1: you know, you have a lot of point guards on this team now. Oh, yeah. You have Dwayne Wade, you have Isaiah Thomas, you have Froze, who people are forgetting is still on this roster, and then another guard and Jay Crowder. Like, that's a lot of ball hogging people. I mean, do you guys think the chemistry is going to? LeBron's be there?
3: also a big ball hog, dude. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. I, I think that's going to be the biggest. He's ever. allowed to ball hog. Yeah. He's allowed to ball hog. Oh, he's 100% allowed to ball hog. I mean, he's he's a he's a point forward. That's what he is. He's give me the ball. I'm going to bulldoze through everybody. Very similar to a Michael Jordan type person. Uh, to a player, excuse me. Um, it was just LeBron, LeBron's in attack mode all the time. And I think um, those other players not being in attack mode uh, is definitely going to tick LeBron off at points. And LeBron's always complaining every offseason, I need another superstar. I need somebody to come help me. We need somebody to run the offense. Oh, we'll bring in Darren Williams. Well, we saw how Darren Williams did in the finals. Didn't do anything. So I I definitely think there's there's always chemistry issues with the Cavs. And LeBron James, he has trouble dealing with other superstars, trouble dealing with other players who are going to try to come in and quote-unquote help him. And then he posts about them on social media. Exactly. Cryptically. Exactly. So, I mean, which, you know, doesn't draw a lot of media attention, Media attention, shockingly, because, you know, there's all this Kevin Durant drama, Russell Westbrook stuff off the court. Um, but who knows? It's all going to depend on that January, that, that point in January when Isaiah Thomas comes back. That's when we'll see, are the Cavs legit or are the Celtics just going to jump on this opportunity and make the NBA Finals? Which, in the next three years, the Celtics will be in the NBA Finals. And there's been a lot of
1: moves in the NBA recently. One of those also, along with Dwayne Wade, was Carmelo Anthony being traded to the Thunder for Enos Canter, Doug uh, McDermott, who I think that's how you pronounce his name. Most people will remember, remember him from his college days. And a second-round pick. Whoever wants to take this, how good can the
3: Thunder be with Mello? I definitely think it's the Russell Westbrook-Paul George show. I think Paul George is the perfect complement to, to Russell Westbrook. Uh, he's that superstar who's not going to give you a lot of drama on the court, like, give me the ball, I need this. Um, he's going to be that guy who gets open, plays solid defense, and lets Russ do his thing. And Russ is going to find him. They're going to work together really well. Um, Mello Mello needs the ball. They're all ISO scorers, but Mello needs the ball the most to be effective. Russell Westbrook can be really effective on the glass, uh, can be really effective when it comes to passing and transition and just pushing the tempo. Mello is that guy that just likes to have the ball, slow it down, loves to pull up and stuff. And so I just don't think that fits the Thunder style, what they're going for. Yeah, it's a superstar name. Yeah, it puts them in the conversation, which I think they definitely want to be at this point in the game. I just don't think it's enough.
1: Well, the Thunder are now a good 2K team. You play them on, like, the NBA 2K, and they're great. It'll be so much fun. But in reality, there's not three basketballs on the court at the same time. Like, Mm -hmm. these guys are all top 10 in usage rate. Yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah. Russell Westbrook is the most overrated superstar in the NBA. Great. He got rid of the second-best player on the earth because of his ball-hogging skills and personality and a whole bunch of issues, and great. He averaged a triple-double. Fantastic. It means nothing when you when it comes to winning a championship. Paul George literally has one foot in L.A. currently. You think <laughs> he wants to be in Oklahoma City? Are you? No, he doesn't. He wants to be out in L.A. And now you have Carmelo Anthony brought in who was sixty sixth out of 70. In defensive ratings for small forwards. That's atrocious. That's worse than I thought, and I'm a Carmelo Anthony hater, quote-unquote. They are worse with Carmelo Anthony than they are without him. I mean, people are way too high on Carmelo Anthony. They think he's going to be the Olympic Carmelo Anthony. That's not going to happen.
3: You're not getting hoodie mellow either. No,
1: you're not. And they are worse than the Warriors, obviously. They're worse than the Rockets. And sure, they'll be entertaining. They'll be a fun... Sexy team that everybody loves because they'll have a ton of highlight rules. I mean, it'll be entertaining because Carmelo Anthony's going to interview. so's Russell Westbrook. Like, they'll be all over the place. But at the end of the day, this team will be split up in a year, and none of it will matter in the big picture.
0: So on to our fa- last and final topic. So as of right now, um, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, Arizona Diamondbacks, the Cleveland Indians, Houston Astros, Los Angeles, Los Angeles Dodgers and the Washington Nationals have all claimed playoff berth. So, so far as only those seven teams, there are a couple more. But as of right now, who is your pick to win the World Series? And we'll start with Nick on that if you want to.
1: Sure. I think it's uh, the Cleveland Indians. And I don't think it's even close. They peaked at the right time. There was a conversation about, did they peak too early? No, they peaked exactly at the right time. Like, and this was a couple nights ago, so they might be even better than this now, but they were 29 and 2 in their last 31 games. We talk about peaking up the right time in baseball. That's all that matters. That's what the Red Sox did in 2013. That's what the Royals did a couple years ago. And that's what the Indians should do. And that's that's the way it's trending right now this year. I mean, Corey Kluber after the All-Star break has been insane. An ERA of 1.97. Like in today's day and age, that is borderline un- unheard of. And they're not a sexy team. That's why they don't get the national attention. Like, Mike Clevenger? I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. Like Clevenger. <laughs> Thank you. That's one of their main pitchers. Like, I literally had never heard of him until a couple nights ago. Like, they're, they're not that eye-popping team that everybody recognizes and go, oh, okay, there's Chris Sale, there's Mookie Betts, there's all these recognizable names. That's not the Cleveland Indians. They're not top-heavy. That bodes well for the postseason. And they also have Terry Francona. One of the most underrated managers once it comes to the postseason time i have a ton of faith in the cleveland indians i think without a doubt they're going through the al my question is if they can beat a team in the world series but i mean to just get there it is a ton of confidence in my mind and i think they could possibly be it'd be a fun matchup between them and the dodgers
2: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you on that i think the indians are a safe pick um <clears throat> i mean you know all around they're just a very solid team um you know, very well managed, got a great pitching staff, um, you know, bullpens deep again. And, uh, you know, there's all around a good team, you know. Um, and I would say, I mean, I, I again, like, the only, I mean, I'd say the only real competition is Dodgers. Especially with Kershaw back, that's a weapon that they're definitely going to utilize. Um, but, you know, I mean, we'll all see when it gets to that time.
0: I am completely disagreeing because Cleveland was there last year and they— had the 3-0 lead, and look where it got them. The Cubs won. So I'm going to disagree. I am going to go with the Yankees, not only because I am a fan, but because their entire pitching staff is healthy. All right, so thank you to our guests, Lorenzo Ramos and Cal Damowski, for a great discussion on today's episode.
3: Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It was great.
1: And if you want to hear more, catch us every Thursday for new episodes, and make sure to follow us on SoundCloud to never miss a new episode.
0: I'm Samantha Cavalli.
1: I'm Nick Friend.
0: And you've been listening to How I See Sports.